whole time just trying to get it figured out. But, and I wish that I could say that these guys came to camp and they ended up giving their lives to Christ and they just had a great week, but because that's not what happened. But I look back on that and I think like, why was I so closed off to these guys coming to camp? Was I so against these people hearing the gospel? Because like they were different or I thought they'd just like throw a ruckus. But that brings us to our main point of tonight, which is our house rule number two. The gospel is for the people that you might not want it to be for. I'll say it again. The gospel is for the people you might not want it to be for. Let's take a look at our passage for tonight. We can kind of see how that ties in, and I'll explain it a bit. So uh, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open it up. If not, we're going to have it on the screen. So it's, uh, it's 1 Timothy 1, 12, 17. I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has given me strength, that he considered me trustworthy, appointing me to his service. This is Paul talking. Even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man, I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. The grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly, along with the faith love in Christ Jesus. Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. But for that very reason, I was shown mercy, so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his immense patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. Now to the king, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. So it's a huge, huge passage. There's a lot going on, uh, so we're just going to kind of cut it down just a little bit to focus uh, for this evening. Uh, we're going to look at verses just 13 through 16, which should be the next slide. It says, even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man, I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. The grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly, along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came to the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. For that very reason, I was shown mercy, so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his immense patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. All right, so I said it while we were reading it, but who knows who wrote this letter? Anybody? Paul, sweet. Okay, who was Paul? Just like, what do we, we, like, real quick, what do we know about the end of his life? Or I guess, what did Carter. After that. Apostle. Yeah? Okay, so he, he shared the gospel with people. He was a missionary, pretty much. Uh, so he, he traveled around. Uh, he wrote letters that we now look at as books of the Bible. Uh, and so uh, he's seen as one of, the, one of the best, most effective missionaries we've ever seen because, I mean, we're still reading his letters. Uh, so 2,000 years later, as we're reading this letter that, that Paul wrote, he's saying that he is the worst sinner. It says, of whom I am the worst. So... I don't know if it's just like weird humility that he's like, no, 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 like I'm a pretty good person, but like I'm still the worst, you know? But like if you if you look at the Greek word, we kind of translate it weird just because it's kind of confusing, but the Greek word translates as first, meaning he's saying he is number one. He's putting himself on a pedestal that he won the trophy of worst sinner. Like worst person. He's like, I got it. I'm the worst. Which like that's so, yeah, he got the Hubish trophy of life because of like following God. Like, that no sense because Paul was an awesome dude. But who was Paul before he was Paul? Saul. Bingo. What did Saul do? He killed Christians. 
That's awkward. Now we kind of get an idea. Uh, for, th for those of you who don't know, do a quick recap of Paul's life. Uh, there's a verse in Acts that pretty quickly just sums up Saul. Uh, it's Acts 9, 1 through 2. It says, Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogue in Damascus, so that if he found any who belonged to the way or the Christian life, whether man or woman, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. So this guy was seeking out, he was going to the high priest, he was saying, yo, are there any Christians? Because I'm going to get them. And, like, and Paul was fair, so he was the teacher of the law, so he was pretty respected if you went, if you went up to high priest. And I, that's, just, that's just not something we really see today, especially in America, but as Paul was going to Damascus, uh, which, which is where he was asking for those letters for in, in that verse in Acts, while he was on his way to Damascus to arrest the Christians, uh, the risen Jesus came up to him and blinded him. And he said, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And Saul had a turning point there, and he, he, he ended up being guided on his way, on the rest of the way, and he gave his life to Christ, and he became one of the most successful missionaries we've ever seen. So it kind of makes sense that, like, Paul said he was sinner number one, that he, he made it. Uh, Let's look at Kanye. Kanye, uh, the word blasphemy is used in this verse. Uh, it's, it means to degrade God's name, to bring it down. Uh, some people would argue that that's what Kanye taught. Uh, he claimed that he was a god. And we just saw Kanye give his life to Christ, which, was, which is massive. Like, he's now making music, glorifies God. He's now uh, touring around, spreading the gospel with uh, really solid people and, uh, and just doing amazing things. And I mean, that's a pretty, he didn't kill Christians. He didn't do nearly as bad of the things that, uh, that Paul, that Saul did, but I mean, it's still like a really good example of today of kind of a full turnaround. How does that tie into the story of the guys in the Fergone? Uh, in the same way that no Christian probably, hopefully, probably didn't want to share the gospel with Saul, I sure as heck wouldn't have, because I knew he would have killed me. He would have taken me as prisoner. I mean, except Jesus was the only one who, who shared the gospel with him, but I didn't want to share the gospel with the two guys in the back of the Fergone because there was no way that they were going to give their lives to Christ. Like, heck no, that's not going to happen. And I know for a fact that you guys probably have a few people in your life that when we mention one life, you're like, oh, no, 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 not, not them. Because I, I do the same thing. It's, I mean, we're in the same shoes. Like, there's still people in my life that I just don't want to share the gospel with. I hate that. I hate that I'm scared to share it with people because, I mean, it's, it's just a real feeling. It's like what John talked about at, at Winter Camp was we want to be liked. And sometimes talking about gospel doesn't get you liked. Um, last Curtis talked about the things that we might add to the gospel, uh, things that we must do in order to be saved, things that we must do in order to be Christians. But I think on the other hand, there's also things that we say you must not do, things that if you've ever done in your life, you are just too far gone. You're done. You're cut. There's no way you're going to turn your life around. And that was the judgment that I made about the people on the bus or on the Fergone. If I see somebody with different political views than me, they'll never accept Christ. If I see somebody making poor decisions with their money, they'll never accept Christ. If I see somebody who's sleeping with their boyfriend and girlfriend before they're married, never going to accept Christ. If I see somebody who's lazy and doesn't work very hard in those group projects, uh, they're never going to accept Christ. But why am I choosing if these people hear the gospel or not. Paul says in, the, in this passage 
He says, here is a trustworthy saying that deserves footage. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. It doesn't say Christ Jesus came into the world to save whoever Mitchell wants to be saved. And it doesn't say Christ Jesus came into the world to save whoever you guys want to be saved. It says to save sinners. When we're purposely leaving somebody out of, of sharing the gospel with them or inviting them to Black Ops or Wednesday night, we are almost putting, or we're almost trying to put a limit on God's grace. We're trying to close it off, like those freshman girls in, that, in John's illustration at camp. But I think we could all agree that that's just not how it is. We kind of subconsciously do, but if we were to think about it, we're just like, that's not a good thing. And I think we all just struggle with the idea that God's grace is for everybody. Those people that are too far gone, like, or even, even ourselves, if we're struggling with that in our own image, that we've just sinned too much. And there's just so messed up, there's so much messed up stuff in the world that uh, it's our, our sin nature to want to hang on to stuff and, and hang on to uh, your, your sibling that always gets you in trouble when they do something wrong. Or that person at school that's just super mean to you. And I just, I just think it's so easy for us to slip into that mindset that we just forget about the fact that God's grace for everybody. If we take a look at, uh, there's a verse in Romans 5, it says, Consequently, just as one trespass resulted in condemnation for all people, so also one act resulted in justification and life for all people. For just as through the disobedience of one man, the many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of the one man, the many will be made righteous. The law was brought in that the trespass might increase, but where sin increased, grace increased all the more. So that just as sin reigned in death, so also grace might reign through righteousness, eternal life, through Jesus Christ, our Lord. I get so excited when I read this verse. It's kind of confusing. They use some fancy words. I'm going to paraphrase it for us real quick in the Mitchell Morris translation. It's just as one sin resulted in death for all people, so he's talking about Adam and Eve. One perfect act of Jesus down the cross resulted in the saving of all people. He's saying when people sin more, God's grace increases. It's like, uh, like, wait, will those be that whole garbage? Uh, it's like, why, right? So, like, if it just, like, when sin increases, God's love also increases with it. Math is great. Dude, pay attention to math, uh, clearly. So, and I, I'm not saying that that's like a free pass to keep sinning, because as Christians, we're called to, to hate sin when it enters our lives, we're to be convicted of it and, and want to rid it and not, not necessarily dwell in guilt, but um, we, all, we need to be an example. But people who we're putting a label on as too far gone clearly says right here that God just is giving them more grace. And, and once they give their life to Christ, they can, they can turn it around. And, and even if there's sins that you've committed, that you can, still, you can still repent and you can still turn that around. And that verse is refreshing to hear because we, we need so much grace. Y'all messed up. But as I kind of mentioned, the people that also need grace is your friend at school, even your that weird person at school that you don't really want to talk to, or your siblings, just so annoying. Like, as I said, like, when we, when we don't talk to them and, and love them, we're, we're trying to put a limit on God's love because we are to be reflections of that. But if we look back at that main verse that we, that we talked about at the very beginning, says, I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has given me strength, that he considered me trustworthy, appointing me to his service. It's not to himself, he, or he is, but he's also talking about all Christians. 
As followers of Christ, we are now all appointed to his service. We're all appointed to follow Christ Jesus and serve him. So maybe, maybe you need to think about your wife and who that is. Is it somebody you already know is going to come to ASM or somebody you already kind of talked to and you kind of got put in the door and they're kind of interested and you just kind of want the easier out? Maybe you just want to hang out with them a little bit more. They're already plugged into a church and you just want to get them to Alderwood, you know, which is great. But what about the person who you don't really like too much? Or maybe the person that you need to show some love to or you have some beef with because they kind of they messed you up last year. So I want you to all think about a couple questions as we, as we go into worship. Who is somebody that you're not necessarily super excited about to share the gospel with? And, and I don't want to make that like a, a mean question you don't like. I don't want you guys to get the wrong impression about that. But I know there's people that you think about sharing the gospel and they, are the, they come up real quick, but you put it aside real, real easy. And think about, so think about the person. Think about the reason you don't talk to them. Kind of address that. Address that reason. I want you guys to share that with your group. And the reason, maybe because you, you want to be liked or you don't want it to be weird. So I want you guys to share that name, share that answer, make again. Figure out what you're going to do from here on out and uh, make some changes. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you so much this evening. Thank you so much for uh, the opportunity that we have to uh, learn more about you, learn more about your grace, learn more about your love. God, I pray that as we break into small group times, we can, uh, we can just make some changes. We can uh, keep each other accountable, say some names that, of people that we just really don't want to invite. God, I pray that uh, it was just time. You'll guide the leaders and that we can give the rest of the night to you. We love you. need you. In your name we pray. Amen.